It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's the KSL Greenhouse. Expert tips for flowers, trees, gardens, and soil. Our hosts are Maria Chaleos and Ton Bettis on KSL News Radio. Good morning. Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse, spending your Saturday morning with us. We'll be taking your calls in just a few minutes at 801-575-8255. And our phone lines are open, so you can call us now. And the number to text us with your questions, 57500. I said a few seconds ago, this is my least favorite time of year, Ton. It's, it's really gray. It's really dark. It's really cold. And not, not yeah. a whole lot of growing goes on outside. There isn't. You know, it's not getting light until 7.15 and just, I don't, it's just that time of year. It's that time of year. It is. So today, just in a rebellion against winter, uh, <laughs> I thought we'd talk we about rebel. an easy-to-grow indoor plant called spider plant. And, and this is a really pretty one. Very it unusual. Is. Very unusual, but very easy to grow. It is one that has been around for a long time. And there's a lot of different forms. You can get it. It looks a little bit like a daylily, I guess, the foliage, or another, maybe a grassy plant. Mm-hmm. And the foliage can be like a darker green, but the most common forms have a variegation to where you will have a combination green leaf with white striping on it. Which and is it, what I like because most of your house plants don't have that look. They don't. And it, it can be quite or- ornamental. The spider plant is very available. I went over to a local garden center and found the one. We're putting up a video in just like five minutes about it. And it's just one that you can find at most box stores and garden centers and then also uh, nurseries. Now, it is one that because it has in its root system some, for lack of a better term, storage roots that store water, if you forget to water it, it's usually okay. You know, mm. it can't go months, but, you know, if it's supposed if it to be watered. it goes two weeks, yeah, it'll probably be okay. Yeah, two weeks, it's fine. It'll just absorb more water. And then it's extremely tolerant of being root-bound in a pot. And you'll have this plant, and all of a sudden, your pot will break because the root mass is so big, and you don't even realize you need to transplant it. So it does need to be transplanted once in a while, but... It's a survivor. It is. It's very forgiving. So another ornamental quality to the spider plant is that it has these uh, tendrils or stems that come out from the middle of the plant, and they make little baby, baby spider plants, and they will be on a vine hanging down. And that's where it gets its name is these little baby... Um, spider plants and if you wanted to you could either put them in like a 
you know, plant them and then put a little paper, not paper, but plastic sack over the top of your little pot to keep the humidity up and they'll root out. Or you can line some little pots up and set each one into a pot and just bend a like a paper clip and peg them down into the soil so it has good soil contact. And after a few months, they'll root out and you can cut them off. Okay, I like this because it's entertainment in the winter and it gives you, it's almost like crafting for people who love plants. It is. And it's just really fun to do. It's inexpensive. And this is one that if you have smaller children, you know, it's, uh, they're fun to play with and you can teach them a little bit about how different ways plants will grow. And so I really like the spider plant. I, I grew up with them in our house. I've on and off had them, you know, in offices and things. And they're just one that, like our plant last week, the snake plant, are just very forgiving. And as long as they get moderately bright light, they're happy. It seems like most of the time when I see a spider plant, it's in a hanging pot. Yeah, and that's that's the most common way people grow them because of those tendrils that hang down or the stems. Absolutely not. You know, it's if one gets to be, you know, five or six years old, it will get really big and produce lots of those tendrils that will hang down, you know, three or four feet. But if you have it on a stand, you can leave those alone or you can clip them back. So it's very easy to have either way in a hanging basket or just in a pot on some sort of a stand. Even though this plant isn't very picky, what soil is best? Just average potting soil. It needs to be transplanted every couple of years into a slightly larger pot, something a couple of inches deeper and wider. And then fertilize it in the summer with half-strength houseplant fertilizer and that will give it the nutrition it needs, but keep it from growing excessively large. Mm-hmm. So I think that the biggest challenge with spider plant is that it's extremely long-lived, as long as it gets water and some fertilizer in the summer, and it can outgrow over a period of 10 or 15 years as the space you want. They can be divided so that you can give them to others if you need to split it or if you want to just, like we talked about, plant those little tendrils. But they can get to a point where they're two or three feet high and wide after a number of years. Okay. So how about light? Does it matter for this plant? It sounds like it grows in most conditions. It's happiest off to the side of a south or west window, but east windows are great. Or if you have an office space that just has fluorescent light, it'll grow in that also. It's pretty forgiving. You don't want it in a dim room that is, you know, just dimly lit all the time, but uh, equivalent to office office setting fluorescent lighting, it's happy. Okay. Anything else we need to know? No, they're just readily available and really unassuming, easy to take care of plants that, you know, one thing I will mention is that there's been a little bit of research and maybe we'll pa- post a fact sheet, but spider plants are especially efficient at taking certain chemicals out of the air what? to clean the air like xylene and toluene. Oh. Or toluene in any way, um, it's one that's touted as being able to clean the air. I don't know why people would have those in their home um, those chemicals environment, I mean. <laughs> but you know it's one that's noted that is able to re- to uh, clean the air in a home. Okay. So, well, when you look outside, usually in January, you want to clean the air everywhere. Yeah, maybe so maybe that's just, not a bad thing. I don't want to warm <laughs> us up and get away from our natural climate, but maybe we could just have them hanging from every building. I don't think that's going to happen. Okay, and I don't. I don't. We probably don't want it to happen, right? No. 
Right. Okay. And uh, we will put up a video in the next few minutes on the spider plant. You can find that on the KSL Greenhouse Facebook page. We're going to come back with your calls and your questions. The phone lines are open 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Good morning. Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria and Ton with you. Taking your calls, 801-575-8255. You can text us your questions at 57500. Miranda in Hiram is up bright and early, and she wants to know, she says she has a neighbor who has several raspberry plants, and they never cut them back, but she gets an abundance of raspberries every every year. And she says that she thought that you needed to cut your raspberries back every year. Is that not the case? You should, but you don't need to. Like in the wild, there isn't like little magical raccoon little elves that come yes around, that come and do back. prune all the wild raspberries. But what will happen is they keep spreading, and you have the old dead canes left behind. And so we we prune them back, and it, there's techniques to it. You know, the one system with ever-bearing raspberries is just to cut them three or four inches above the ground every year. The other to where if you have summer bearing is that you take the two-year-old canes out and leave the one-year-old canes behind because that's where your fruit production is coming from. But we cut them back, you know, especially the dead canes, just to keep them clean. And we also will try to hopefully keep them in rows because if you just let them spread and all of a sudden you have a patch six or eight feet wide and if they're thorny, you know, who are you going to have dive in there to pick your berries? And so the reasons we keep them contained and cut back is to help prevent diseases, to help make it easier to harvest and just to keep them in check so that they're harvestable and you're not out there in leather pants like a you know, in leather jacket, trying to pit them, pick them all because your patch got too big. Mm-hmm. So I've only planted like one or two plants in the past, which isn't enough fruit to really provide for your family. It's more like, oh, the kids can go out and pick a few berries and they learn how, you know, berries grow kind of thing. Yes. And so how much do they actually produce? The, I mean, to really get a good crop of raspberries, don't you have to have If you're wanting quite to a few plants? turn them into jam or freeze them, freeze dry them, whatever you want to do, you would probably need at least one row 10 to 15 feet long to get a harvest, harvestable amount for two or three people. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have more, then, you, of course, you maybe want to double that. But I think 10 to 15 feet is minimal for freezing them or processing them or freeze drying. Yeah. One of my really fun best memories of my oldest son is him as a four-year-old going out there and he would just go out and pick those berries and bring them in and eat them. And, but I never had enough berries to really make anything with them. It was just more his learning to love nature. Yeah. Get enough. I mean, even off one or two plants, you know, get a few to put into a bowl of cereal or oatmeal or just to have 
you know, 10 or 15 of them to eat as a small snack or something. That's always fun to do. Mm -hmm. And if you have limited space, you know, and maybe having a bucket with raspberries in it, you know, there's some management challenges and things there. But if you know what you're doing a little bit, you might be able to have enough again for that bowl of cereal or just put them over some sort of a salad or whatever, just for occasional use. Right. Bill is on the line this morning in North Ogden. Good morning, Bill. What is your question? You know, uh, I live, we live in a new HOA development in North Ogden, Pleasant View area. And uh, during the summer, uh, we had some landscaper neglect. And so they missed the opportunity to uh, work toward grub problems. Our uh, grasses remain compacted. And we sent a uh, sample to Utah State Extension Service, and they said, yep, you've got a grub infestation. My question is, can the grasses be restored, do you think, through aeration and reseeding? No, now, I, not alone. Uh, okay. If you have grubs, they don't just magically go away. And so you're going to need to have those treated in addition to doing the restoration. Okay. Now, from what I've been told, uh, with the cold, the grubs are now dead. No, so they're now, not. Okay, good. That's why I called. So we need to, uh, we need to uh, go after the grubs. And then uh, aeration. What do you think? Well, I mean, aeration can be important to maintaining soil and keeping it so that it's not compacted. And so it is something that will help, but it is part of a larger approach to where you're maybe reseeding or, you know, in areas of it's totally destroyed, maybe even getting some sod to relay if you in those areas if you need it. But you're going to want to put down a preventative grum control sometime late April to mid-May of next year. And that may not totally eliminate it. I'm glad you went to USU to make sure that it was grubs. But, you know, these insects can overwinter in an egg state, a larval state, or as adults. And they don't just die and go away. You know, that current generation may have, but they always have offspring. So you need to keep that in mind. And also, just... As an HOA, you know, you get what you pay for with your lawn maintenance. And if you've lowballed, taken low bid, you can't expect, you know, expect top tier treatment of your facilities if you're not paying them top tier money sometimes. And so, you know, that mowing crew comes in and mows string trims. And, you know, you need to put into your contract and then maybe vet a few companies and don't go with low ball prices because the guys that are maybe going to know what they're doing sometimes charge a little bit more. And so you need to vet these companies a little bit. And this whole there's it's unfortunate, but the homeowners associations are usually underfunded and then they expect a lot out of, you know, what the, who they've hired, who's doing minimal amounts because they're not being paid a lot. And so there's a two-way street here, but if somebody told you that those grubs were dead, unless they were somehow treated, they're not. 
So okay, good. I mean, I'm glad to hear that. You know, and 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 I've had people say, "Well, you need to aerate four times a year." And no. I think, wow, sometimes no. that can be damaging. You aerate in the spring and maybe the fall. You know, if let's say your HOA had a playground area that was played on constantly, you know, with soccer, football games, kids at the park, things of that nature, you could be justified in aerating spring and fall. But if it's just an area that's there that's occasionally walked on but not really used, once a year is going to be plenty. Okay. Well, we live in a 55-plus, you know, so there's older people that live here, so... You know, you would be shocked. There's some lawns that, that it doesn't look like they have any lawn at all. It looks like it's just almost dirt. Yeah, so, you know, I, really... that happens. And I, you know, I, I don't imagine you all are throwing wild uh, parties with booze everywhere every weekend. <laughs> so you can probably avoid uh, aerating four times a year or so. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's, I would really look at, you know, with vetting three or four companies and, you know, you don't have to go with high bid, but, you know, references, insurance, things of that nature, and just do your homework a little bit and see what you can come up with. Well, I really appreciate your help. I love our program because I've asked you guys several things. So thanks again for your help. And that's exactly what I needed to know. All right, Bill. Thanks so much for your call this morning. We need to take a break for the bottom of the hour news. MJ, you're up next. The number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.